Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The tenth Oxfording picture. Entering the marketplace with gift-bestowing hands. Preface. Alone behind a brushwood door, even a thousand sages cannot see you. Hiding your light, you shun the traces of past awakened ones. Dangling your gourd, you enter the town. Thumping your staff, you return to your hut. Visiting bars and fish stalls, everyone you meet becomes a Buddha. Verse, chest exposed and barefoot, you come to the marketplace. Covered with dirt and ash, your face breaks into great laughter. You display no special powers, yet the withered trees burst into bloom. Good afternoon. We just chanted for one of the greatest Buddhist teachers of our time, a simple, humble monk known worldwide for his compassion, his teachings on transforming traumatic events and emotions into true inner peace. Thai Thich Nhat Hanh died in Vietnam, his native country, on Mandala Day, January 21st. He was the pioneer of engaged Buddhism and taught mindfulness to uncountable numbers of people all over the world. Last weekend at New York Zendo, we commemorated the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And some of you have come straight from that session to this one. Hokuto Sensei gave a heartfelt beautiful homage to King in his Dharma talk. 
and Thai, the Vietnamese term for teacher and MLK Jr. were good friends. He encouraged King to stand with him in opposition to the war in Vietnam. And King nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize. Tai was the author of some 100 books. I was rereading some of them late into the night. And in Pieces Every Step, he wrote, Last year, we had a wonderful retreat with Vietnam veterans in America. It was a difficult retreat because many of us could not get free of our pain. One gentleman told me that in Vietnam, he lost 417 people in one battle alone in one day. And he has had to live with that for more than 15 years. And he speaks of so many others who were able to say what had happened to them. He said, during the retreat, we practiced mindful breathing and smiling, encouraging each other to come back to the flower in us and to the trees and the blue sky that shelter us. So I was remembering that our dear Sangha member, Ishin Bill Cross, attended that retreat and I called him this morning and I asked if he'd say a few words today about that experience. Ishing. Thank you, Roshi. As you mentioned, Thich Nhat Hanh was called Thai by his students. In Vietnamese, Thai is teacher or rabbi. I first met him in 1990 at a conference in Washington, D.C., exploring the boundary between spirituality and psychotherapy. During that, we first sat in a square, which is his tradition, where he spoke of healing in the present and to meditate on our breath. After meditating there, we walked outside and Ty led us in walking meditation around the reflecting pool in front of the Lincoln Memorial. When we reached the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, Ty asked us to sit on the steps as he spoke his fervent hope that we would not enter the war against Iraq and then led us in silence past the Vietnam Memorial. I next met Thai at the retreat that 
Roshi just mentioned in 1991 at the Omega Institute called Healing the Wounds of War. There, 46 of us Vietnam veterans, six widows, eight anti-war activists, including Maxine Hong Kingston and sister Zen practitioner and writer Natalie Goldberg, and six members of Thai's Sangha met in a profoundly moving retreat. We vets brought tents and slept in a rough circle in a field, along with fellow vet Claude Anshin Tom Thomas, who after the retreat took refuge vows with Thai and later met with us twice here at Hoenji. At the retreat, we meditated, listened to Thai's talks, met in small groups in tea ceremonies to share our stories. We practiced Vietnamese yoga and listened to Sister Chang Kong sing lullabies in melodic Vietnamese. At the end, we were asked to write the names of friends, brothers who had died in the war, and others we wanted to memorialize on large scrolls hanging on the walls of the meditation hall. We then participated in a Buddhist funeral where we chanted and Thai blessed us with holy water. He then passed by us, giving each of us a very uncharacteristic, at least the Vietnamese, a very uncharacteristic embrace. I have never felt more forgiven and blessed than then. A while later, after dark, we walked down to the lake where we chanted and sang as the rolled up scrolls of the names we had printed were placed on a small craft, set afire, and allowed to drift into the night. At the conclusion of the retreat, he gave those of us who wished to join him Dharma names. He gave me firm voice of the heart. Tai was a remarkable teacher for us, particularly those of us vets as well as others who lived through the Vietnam War years. He used to say, the victims of war are like flames on the tip of a candle lighting the way to peace. We are all victims of war and we all can carry that candle. Thank you. Thank you. You are so dear, Asian, so dear to us.
Well, of course, none of this had been planned. Here we are at winter session, but responding is what we do. And I was so glad that I could reach Ishin this morning. This morning, six below zero, ice, snow, ice, layers of it. Yet here we are to experience what it's like to melt the frozen heart, to feel those layers of misguided self-protection melt away, to smile at each other. Very important teaching of Thai, to smile at each other. In the midst of pain, uncertainty, that Trump really transforming smile, generating that inner peace. So we've come to the last of the 10 Oxerting pictures. In 10 days, on February 1st, the year of the metal ox gives way to the year of the black water tiger, according to Chinese astrology. Some of you already have your claws out, I see. These 10 pictures have accompanied us as 2020 turn to 2021 and through this first month of 2022. As intended by their creator, the 12th century Zen master Kakuan Shion, we've appreciated them as a poetic and visual guide on our Zen journey. Not just for Zen practice, of course, but for life itself. With all its abrupt changes, surprises, unforeseen challenges, and falls. We've looked back at how that journey starts. For most of us, the deep spiritual yearning, maybe born of some early mystical experience, as well as painful events, that have urged us to investigate 
the big questions. The struggles along the way allow us to see inconvenient and often embarrassing truths. How hard it is to settle down, to undertake discipline and consistency, to learn acceptance, to cultivate our own inner master rather than trying to control external circumstances or slavishly imitate someone else. The late Albert Lowe, who taught in Montreal, in his book, Hakuin on Kensho, The Four Ways of Knowing, commented, people who are really practicing, who know the bitterness of the struggle, have nothing but sympathy for those who fail and fall on the path. The way is hard and difficult. And a Kensho, even if it is a deep Kensho, still doesn't make that way any easier. This may seem shocking and quite disappointing, but we need to know this. He continued, each step of the way has to be walked. And sometimes it is like walking over sharp cobblestones and bare feet. One has to go on though. The inertia of habit still lingers. This habit has been formed since the beginning of time and cannot be completely banished in one go. So, little by little, learning from our setbacks and mistakes, we develop patience, we develop resolve, we see our habitual delusions for what they are. And again and again, we purify our karma. Trust grows. Faith in mind grows. We experience moments of exquisite intimacy. The sky, 
an icicle. Silence in the Zendo. The siren of an ambulance. And complaints drop away. Gratitude deepens. And we notice immediately when conditioned reflexes arise, we return our attention to the oneness of cause and effect, dropping what we now know is temporary and illusory moment of distraction and attachment, habit energy. So we practice. As I said in my talk on the ninth Oxfording picture, we reject the deluded mind of our previous thought. As Wenong, the sixth ancestor, said, and use the enlightened mind of our subsequent thought. This thought, this Dharma, this home. What we thought was out there that needed to be caught, the ox of Buddha nature, is realized as none other than who we truly are, who we have always been. The ox disappears. The self as a separate entity disappears. Forgetting the ox, forgetting the self, we return to the origin of it all, pure and unencumbered. That clear mirror mind in which we see things just as they are. The empty circle of the eighth oxerting picture, perfect and complete. As we read yesterday in Faith and Mind, all is void, lucid, and self-illuminating. Is this the end? No. The circle of the way, birth, death, has no beginning, no end. Huckleen wrote, 
if you do not fondly cling to this state, but arouse your spirit to wholehearted effort from time to time, you will experience such things as forgetting you are sitting when you are sitting, forgetting about standing when you are standing, forgetting your own body, forgetting the world around you. Then, if you keep going without retreating, the conscious spirit will suddenly shatter and awakened nature will appear all at once. This is the great perfect mirror wisdom. Then what? Hakuin continued. Go on and on. Concentrate on practice after awakening. When you see something, shine through it. When you hear, shine through what you are hearing. Shine through the five skandhas. Shine through the six fields of sense perception. See through all things, internal and external. Shine through them. If you enter awakening, then shine through awakening. If you get into agreeable circumstances, then shine through agreeable circumstances. If you fall into adverse situations, shine through adverse situations. When greed or desire arise, shine through greed and desire. When hatred or anger arise, shine through hatred and anger. When the three poisons of hatred, greed, and ignorance are no more, and the mind is pure, shine through that pure mind. If you do not fall back, the karma created by your former actions will dissolve naturally. You will be liberated in a way that cannot be imagined. And then, then we give it all away. We walk into the so-called secular world with no idea of spiritual fulfillment, no gap between secular and sacred. 
this liberated mind of which Hakuin speaks functions freely wherever we go. Which brings us to the 10th Oxfording picture. And I will show you as best I can sitting in front of my screen here by Shubun who reproduced Kakawan's pictures. It's kind of cockeyed. If you look closely, you can see a big bag. It's white on just behind him. And here is a picture of the same 10th Oxfording picture by Gyokusei Jikihara, more contemporary. see the staff, you see he's carrying a sack and he's got a little gourd. So this big bellied figure with great laughing face is Hote Osho. This raggedy attire and his staff What's his large sack filled with? Things he's been given? Emptiness? Form is exactly shunyata. Shunyata exactly form. He just reaches into that big bag and happily gives the form of no form to everyone he encounters, especially children. Whatever is needed, he will offer. This is the Bodhisattva vow in action. Coming from emptiness, shining through emptiness. He's completely at home everywhere. There's nothing to prove. No need for approval. Just ordinary, nothing special. Giving it all away. Hote was a street monk. Maybe some of you are street monks. Nobody knows you're a monk. You're just out there with your staff, your sack. He was an inconspicuous bodhisattva. He moved freely about never letting on that he had any degree of attainment. 
but he came to be seen as an incarnation of Maitreya, the future Buddha. He died in 916 common era and left this verse behind. Maitreya, the true Maitreya. Embodied in myriad beings, time and again reveals himself, yet is known by no one. In his preface to the 10th Oxerting picture, Jion Osho wrote, I read this before we started, so perhaps you remember it, but I'll go line, one line at a time and comment. Alone, behind a brushwood door, even the thousand sages cannot see you. Sitting alone in your hut, your room, you have gone into a samadhi so deep you completely disappear. forgetting everything. There's no awareness of awareness. Even if Shakyamuni or Enzai or Thich Nhat Hanh were to pay you a visit, they would find no one there. The next line, hiding your light, you shun the traces of past awakened ones. You're not seeking acknowledgement of your attainment. You're not following many great ancestors' footprints. Your footprints join steps of shopkeepers, nurses, mothers pushing strollers, people living under bridges. Third. Dangling your gourd, you enter the town. Thumping your staff, you return to your hut. Dangling your gourd. Your gourd, too, is filled with emptiness. Out of which everyone can drink whatever they need. 
ambrosial nectar, pure water, coffee, wine, and it replenishes itself as you walk down Main Street or Broadway or Salina Street. Let's have a little drink. You have no particular destination. You respond to whatever call comes your way. And when it's time to leave with a thump of your staff on the earth, you go back to your empty hut. The last line visiting bars and fish stalls. Everyone you meet becomes a Buddha. Going directly into places that are shunned by high priests, high society, no regard for status or rank. You sit down and have a beer with the person on the next stool. You play an old tune on the jukebox. You go out and order a hot dog from a street vendor. You know, make me one with everything. And then maybe you join a small procession that starts on a corner where someone has been shot. You walk through the urban streets silently, testifying for peace without a single word of preaching. Your very presence calls forth each person's Buddha nature, just as Thai's presence did and continues to do. Kindness fills the winter air. Vengeance is set aside. As Dogen put it, only Buddha can see Buddha. And this is how we save beings, by seeing them with complete and utter acceptance. Without exception, Or, as Thich Nhat Hanh put it, by knowing we are in this community of interbeing, 
Kakawan's verse for this last picture expresses the whole of what we are doing and realizing and offering. Expresses why we have taken this precious human form. First line, chest exposed and barefoot. You come to the marketplace. Your heart is open. You show yourself in the 10 directions as famous koan about stepping further off the 100 foot pole puts it. Nothing separates you from others. Your feet directly touch the earth as you enter the realm of buying and selling, gain and loss, birth and death. The second line of the verse. Covered with dirt and ash, your face breaks into great laughter. Indistinguishable from others in this dusty world, yet not weighed down by the sadness that surrounds you. Laughter just bursts forth, fills the universe, lightens the hearts of all who hear it, transforms suffering into incomprehensible joy. Right here in the midst of samsara, great liberation. The third line, you display no special powers. You're just a disreputable looking old guy. No tricks up your ragged sleeve. And the fourth, yet the withered trees burst into bloom. Nobody knows why your laugh creates this joy, but it wells up and everyone feels a mysterious power coursing through them, no matter how deficient they feel, how unworthy, no matter how impenetrable the wall that imprisons them seems, the light of their true nature comes shining. They burst into who they truly are. 
You know, Bob Dylan sang it. They say every man needs protection. They say that every man must fall. Yet I swear I see my reflection somewhere so high above this wall. I see my light come shining from the west down to the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be so today, today, we said goodbye to Thich Nhat Hanh. But where has he gone? His disciple, Sister Chong Gong sings a verse from Buddha's teachings. It goes like this. This body is not me. I am not caught in this body. I am life without boundaries. I have never been born, and I shall never die. Look at the ocean and the sky filled with stars, manifestations of my wondrous true mind. Since before time, I have been free. Birth and death are only doors through which we pass. Sacred thresholds on our journey. Birth and death are just a game of hide and seek. So laugh with me, hold my hand. Let us say goodbye, say goodbye to meet again soon. We meet today. We will meet again tomorrow. We will meet at the source at every moment. We meet each other in all forms of life.
This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.